0: What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Capitalized Podcast. Chris Casella here with Grant Smith, as always. This episode is brought to you by our private lending company, Sharper Capital Partners. If you want to learn more about how Sharper Capital can help you build your real estate investing business, if you're in Ohio, Indiana, or Kentucky, you can check us out at sharpercapitalpartners.com. Today we just wanted to hop on and genuinely just talk about something that you know Grant and I talk about this all the time when we're not live on a podcast or or recording ourselves. It's something that we really enjoy chatting about, and there's really no end to the directions that you can take this conversation. But we just kind of wanted to talk about where we see ourselves going with Sharper Capital in the next you know ten ish years, what we kind of want to accomplish in the hard money space, some of the challenges that we face in our local market, just in the business in general, and and, and yeah, it's again, it's a conversation we really enjoy having. And, and I could continue that list of things that are kind of like subtopics here for a long time. But I'll stop myself there. And, and Grant, why don't you just kind of start us off here and kind of and, and take us in a certain direction?
1: Yeah. You know, obviously, like, you know, a lot of the the stuff we talk about on a day-to-day basis is very specific to the functions that we carry out every day in our business. And we try to relay that information through channels like the Capitalize Podcast to educate people on Real estate specific topics, but in this, in this episode, obviously we're taking more of a, an approach to really business building and our outlook on what we're trying to accomplish in this business over the next 10 years. And without setting anything specific, we're talking more directionally in this episode because, you know, 10 years down the road, not that we don't have big aims for our business. It's just, you know, it's hard to pinpoint exactly one thing that we're, we're going after, but, you know, it's funny. We, we, I was working a W two job at a different company, medical device sales, less than a month ago, even. And a year before that, or two or three years before that, I was just writing my first private private note, totally different terms, totally different processes. Chris wasn't on board. You know, fast forward through all that time, Chris is like, you know, you have no idea where this is going to take you, let alone, you know, later Chris would become a partner of the company. And here we are in 2024, we've originated over 10 million in loans since we started the company. And Chris has been the originator for the majority of those loans, which you know you wouldn't think that'd be the case given the fact that you know I was basically the person that was doing all the originating in the beginning, but here we are. And so we've gotten to this position. We've gone through our business plan, trying to get to 3 million in loan origination in year one. We did six. We're ahead of schedule. We got all of our own personal capital deployed. We're using OPM now for the future too. To go out and and you know fund new loans, which has been great. Had capital investors in our office yesterday, and which honestly kicked off this conversation around what's our unique value proposition as a business, what are our long term goals, what are we trying to build. And it's funny, like you and I were spitting back and forth yesterday as we have had more of an opportunity to do now that we're in the same office. Which people who don't know, we're in a we're in a new office now, and. Right now we're recording these from our old studio, so Chris, I think you're actually at the old office space, and I'm I'm here in my home office because we're (laughs) recording this actually early in the morning, even though it'll probably stream later. But it's just a cool perspective to think about where we are. But now it's time to kind of you know kind of recapture where we're at and you know what we want to do in the future. And you know directionally, I think when I think about this uh, private lending space, I think the demand for this type of capital will always be around, whether or not it's going to grow. Relative to you know what bank financing is doing, relative to what you know what uh, what other financing options really exist out there, I, I don't want to make any you know speculations as to where that's going to end up. But I think this type of lending is always going to exist, and the role we want to play in that space is we want to we want to be a larger portion of the market share. We want to be a reliable source of capital for a long period of time, a decade or multiple decades, and you know we want to do it the right way, and so. When I think of the right way, I think of transparency for our borrowers, consistency and quality of service, and then consistent terms. You know, we're, we're not the cheapest shop in town. We charge what we need to charge to offer the level of service that we can provide, which we believe is a high value service. And then I'll pass it back to you because my dog's barking. But
0: <laughs> Yeah, I think, I mean, there's there's a few different directions, really two main directions you can kind of take this business, right? and you can take it in into the volume game where you're c- kind of competing on price, you're trying to make up for it in the absolute amount of money that you make versus the actual return itself or you can kind of play the smaller game, which is sort of what we've we've built our business model around, which is just higher profitability and lower volume. And you know, there's an argument to be made there depending on who you are, whether you're a real estate investor, whether you're behind the scenes as an actual hard money lender as to the difference in quality that each each of those, you know, products provides or each of those Providers offers, but at the end of the day, I think there's a there's a product for everybody. And the reason that we've chosen to go the direction that that we have is just because you know we imagine having a small team. We don't imagine having a fifty person team. Now, can things change? Yeah, maybe they maybe they will. Maybe they won't. I'm not sure. But right now, I prefer to have a smaller team in a local office that we really enjoy coming in, hanging out in, and making a good amount of money for the amount of capital that we have deployed investing in real estate ourselves and and putting you know our money into deals hopefully with clients that we that we end up building relationships with who are really high level operators and that's just kind of that's the appetite that we've had as we've started to grow this business and one of the conversations that we have all the time and honestly I think you know I think I'm the one that that keeps bringing it up for better or for worse but I'm on the phone with borrowers all the time so I'm I'm kind of having these conversations where people are shopping around, right? They're comparing our prices versus somebody else's price and and they're saying, "Oh, well, I'm getting this here and I'm getting that there and they're you know, they may or may not give us the time of the day based on what our terms are." And that's how every you know, it's how a lot of people, a lot of investors want to start the conversation, which I completely understand. The conversation that this starts on the back end between Grant and myself and, you know, even our capital investor yesterday is what's the right way to approach this, right? Do you sacrifice your price and do you race to the bottom to try to compete in order to get these clients in the door? And then on the back end, you're not able to implement the highest quality systems. You're not able to, you know, invest in technology that allows you to have the time to talk to borrowers and to go to the properties if you want to go see the, you know, go see them to invest in high quality team members behind the scenes. And, you know, the the the, the reason I bring it up often is because and I think, Grant, you know, I think you and I are both in the same in the same boat. And it's really nice to have a partner. I'll just say as a general statement, it's really nice to have a partner to be able to kind of have these conversations with because sometimes I get stuck down this rabbit hole and Grant's up here and he's like, all right, we got a long-term vision. Why don't you just relax? And then, you know, sometimes vice versa. But we're both super, super motivated people and we want to grow quickly. And last year, we got a taste of growing you know, very, very fast and doing a lot more business than we actually even planned on doing when we first sat down and we're like, all right, what do we want to do this year? So that's sort of, I wouldn't say it set an expectation, but it set a certain standard that I kind of got used to in a number on a monthly basis of loans originated that I wanted to target and an absolute volume that I wanted to target. And so when I'm a little bit off that, and we have our goals for 2024, I'm sitting back and I'm thinking to myself, all right, well, how do we generate more business? How do we get more clients? How do we get higher quality clients? What do we got to do from a marketing or cold calling or whatever it is perspective to get ourselves out there? And, or what do we have to do to win people's business that we haven't won in the past? Then I start to think about this and I hop on a Friday morning call. You know, we have the local RIA that has Friday morning calls and, and whatever it might be. And, and I hear, you know, somebody else who's entering the space on hard money, who's, and th- these are his words, not not mine aggressively trying to deploy capital as quickly as possible in this market. And he's offering 100% financing. He's saying, you know, before the end of the day, I want to originate a loan at 10 point, or 10% or interest, no points, 100% purchase, 100% rehab. And I just think to myself, that is not a game that we can, nor do we want to play. And again, kind of going back to the value of having a partner and, you know, for risk of bouncing around here, when I have these conversations with Grant, when we sit down and we kind of chat about it, we always come back to this idea of the long term vision. And neither of us have any doubt in the long term value proposition that we're offering to our clients. We will, we will, you know, we plan on having, we hosting our own meetups. We have, our, we have our first one this coming month in February. We plan on having our own kind of educational content conversations, just like this one, where we allow people to see behind the scenes and understand what we're thinking. A lot of times we have these conversations. If you've listened to any of our previous episodes and we're trying to educate people on a certain topic or walk through deals, you know, we have a lot of stuff planned for the long-term that just, you know, you can't necessarily race to, to, to do all these kinds of things. It just genuinely takes time. So we're not, we, neither of us lack the confidence in our long-term value proposition. And we're very confident that over the course of 10 years, 20 years, however long, you know, we're in the space, you know, hopefully longer than that, even. That we're gonna be able to, you know, get the best clients, we're gonna have a great portfolio, et cetera, et cetera. We're gonna reach our goals. The, the you know, not the issue, but the sense of urgency that I face and in, in Grant, I'll let you speak to whether or not you can relate to this or 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 not, but is I wanna re I want to get there now, right? Anybody I think who is is motivated and has high aspirations, they really wanna move quickly, they have a sense of urgency, you know, they want to reach the goals yesterday. And so it's this balancing act between remembering what our long-term vision is and and understanding that you know we're confident in that vision and also realizing that you know it's going to take some time to be able to deliver all the value that that we plan on delivering and maybe we don't get to double our business every single year but even if we do the same exact thing this year as we did last year but we just improve from the perspective of you know our systems and you know, building relationships, et cetera, that would honestly be a huge win. And so just remembering that, but I talked for a while there, Grant, why don't you kind of chime in?
1: No, you hit on a bunch of great points. You talked about, you know, how we want to grow fast and the, there's a quote that I believe Brandon Turner actually quoted someone else. So whoever Brandon Turner was quoting deserves credit for this, but, <laughs> you know, we'll do a Michael Scott, you know, on that, you know, Wayne Gretzky, Michael Scott, you know, but yes, <laughs> So Brandon Turner was talking about how if you want to get somewhere, and if you want to get where someone is in twenty years, in ten years, you know you want to you want to get somewhere in half the amount of time as, you know, someone you're you're trying to emulate. Well, then you have to put in twice the amount of work. And I don't totally agree with that, because I also like have inherited this like Alex from mindset where it's like it's not twice the work. You have to produce twice the amount of outputs in the in half the amount of time. That the other person did, and so I think something that we're employing a lot in our business is leverage. Obviously, capital is our product, so that was the first form of leverage we had. We had inventory of product, and now we're leveraging OPM, right? So that's that's another part of our game. The other part of that too is technology, right? We we have the best some of the best software in the industry, like what you would call like the staple in the hard money space is the software service that we use, and then we also you know plan to what well, we are using you know vendors really like third party employees to carry out some of the marketing efforts that we're trying to facilitate and in addition to that you know we have we're building out the processes so that we can bring people on our team and they can be very successful do enjoyable work and do meaningful work right they're 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 responsible for contributing to our cause which is helping investors build wealth in real estate but also you know we're fixing up tons of properties in our local community and that is super rewarding like you know, I mean, I don't, I don't want to take credit, obviously, for the work that these real estate investors, general contractors, subs are doing. Like, you know, they're the ones that are really making this happen. But you know, to be a part of the, be a part of the gumbo, so to speak, you know, and and what makes, what makes our local community improve, and you know, that's extremely rewarding. And you know, so going back to the idea of leverage, like that, that is like something we've employed, and I think has made us, helped us grow quicker. And if I was and in, in any industry, I'd figure out what levels, what what levers the bigger players are pulling and figure out how you can start to implement some of those early on or prepare yourself to implement those as soon as possible. But yeah, you know, growth is one of those things where, like you said, Chris, like some of it just takes time. And we're looking at this like we want to build a community around our, our business and our brand. We want to obviously educate as many people as possible because we want every house in our community fixed up. We want Every investor to be profitable and, and find awesome deals, even if it's not doing business with us. If we're just a part of the solution in terms of, hey, we we helped connect you with a general contract. We helped you connect with a local bank that provided you great financing. We helped you connect with an insurance agent who provided great coverage at an affordable price, and so you're able to cash flow more on a month-to-month basis. Like, there's all these things that you know we 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 get excited about in terms of just being able to add value to our clients. And most people aren't, aren't, you know, so eager to, you know, show up just to lend a helping hand because it's like, you know, what's in it for me. But for us, like we plan to be around here an extremely long time. And so building deep relationships in the community and with our clients is, is of the most importance. And I don't know necessarily how long it's going to take to get there. I think you and I talk about, you know, like, oh, we want to hit, you know, a certain, certain number in revenue call, it, you know, the, the seven-figure mark in revenue, which, you know, million dollars or something to that effect. I think everyone always chases that that first seven figures. But from from our perspective, it's like, in 10 years, is that doable? Oh, yeah. Is it doable between 2024 and 2025? It's possible, but it's going to be hard to get there. And if we don't reach that goal, like there's, there's a lot of other important goals that we're going to check off the list this year that just because you don't hit our revenue goal doesn't mean we're going to miss our 10-year direction. And I, I always try to remember that I always try to play the long game because, you know, a lack of a lack a lack of earnings, you know, is not a is not necessarily a sign of weakness for your company. In fact, I'd argue, you know, I, I recently listened to this Berkshire Hathaway shareholders meeting. It was like the 2023 one, and it, they were talking about Geico and how it had a bunch of legacy systems, and so. Their earnings were going to be suppressed for a period of time because they had to reposition all of their legacy systems. They had like over 200 or maybe more of them. And they have to try and consolidate them into just like a handful, you know, maybe like 24, 36, something like that. Whereas competitors in the industry are more streamlined, which means lower overhead and lower costs being passed on to their clients. And, you know, so there's, I'm saying there's other activities that if you neglect some of the operational activities that, you know, might not necessarily be as, you know, revenue generating. They will later on inhibit your your product offering, your ability to scale, and just the overall experience for your clients. So, I just try to keep those things top of mind, and maybe it, maybe I'm giving myself like a a soft, you know, a sense of comfort and knowing that like oh maybe I don't have to hit this goal, but I think in reality like there are success in any given business year is multifaceted, and having different objectives and different areas of your business
0: is really important to track. For sure. I I love that example, too, about the Geico legacy systems. And similarly, I'm reading the Everything Store right now by Brad Stone about Amazon's founding, right? About Jeff Bezos going off on his own, starting Amazon.com and in the trials and tribulations that he faced in growing one of the biggest businesses in the entire world. And I'm currently in chapter where they're talking about Amazon's growth phase and how quickly they were growing. But Their earnings, I mean, they were losing hundreds of millions and sometimes billions of dollars year over year, right? So they didn't seem super attractive to some Wall Street analysts, even though it was a hot tech tech stock at the time. Now, from the outside, if you're looking at the numbers and you're not fully aware of exactly what's going on behind the scenes, you just see some, and we're not losing money. So this is just kind of an extreme example, but just to prove a broader point from the outside, if you're looking at Amazon, they're losing hundreds of millions of dollars. You're kind of like, what is going on with this business? Like they don't, they they must not know what they're doing or they're, you know, they're going to go defunct by the end of the year. But behind the scenes, you know, Jeff Bezos and his executive team know exactly what they're doing. They're, they're just gobbling up market share and they're implementing systems across the country and they're building distribution centers and they're having conversations with the Toys R Us and they're, you know, sitting with the executives of Walmart to try to figure out strategic plans and whether, you know, Not to go too deeply into it, even though I might might may already have, the whole idea is that listen, they're laying a broader foundation for their long-term growth and for their long-term success. And in the short term, it doesn't look exactly how you might think rapid growth looks. It looks a little bit more messy and it looks a little bit more, you know, less lucrative in the short term, but is is well worth its weight in gold and, and beyond in the long term. So all that to say. I think that's a great point. There's a lot of different ways to measure success, especially when you zoom out and you look at the broader picture beyond just did you double your revenue year over year, you know, for five years straight? And I'm saying that in this conversation to you, Grant, to our listeners, just as much as I'm saying it's like specifically to myself as a reminder to kind of zoom out from the little the 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 granular detail of the everyday business and the singular conversations and the numbers in a spreadsheet, and look at the the broader goal. Part of the reason, selfishly why I wanted to have this conversation, and I'm glad you brought it up and and made this a topic for today.
1: I think you know one one quick one quick note I want to make here is in our business, we were talking about how you know when you when you really look at the people who are growing at a very quick rate, they are taking more risk meaning they're they're offering more competitive loans which depending on you know how you view it as a borrower it could be a good thing but in our world you know we want every deal to stand on its own and so i bring this up because the the people that we really compete against they have years and years and years and years and years of momentum of hey we continue to service clients they continue to refer us we have our staple marketing efforts those continue to bring on new new borrowers and they grow their portfolio i don't want to say organically but you know they have they have their their recipe for for getting new borrowers and and keeping existing borrowers on board and that and when i when i say that you know they're, they're lending at terms that we would we would probably be comfortable with lending that to, to the right bar on the right deal. But it takes time. It just takes time to get there. And when you're looking at industries to go into, you know, if you're looking to make a lot of money quickly, you know, then you maybe don't want to look for an industry where it might take years to get the type of volume or mo- momentum that you want. But when you're an established business, and you've been in the game for 10, 20, 30 years, you also don't want to be in a space where, Someone can just come in and and gobble up your entire market share and, you know, kind of push you out to sea and say, you know, thanks for playing for the last 40 years, but we're here now and see you later. It just just doesn't happen like that in this space, unless someone comes in and writes at riskier terms, in which case, usually they are accompanied with a lot of defaults, and then their capital base dries up because it's hard to raise capital for non-performing loans unless you set out to have a non-performing loan fund. And, you know, it, it just it isn't a business model that works in our space. From, from my perspective, I, I haven't seen anyone with, you know, a, a baked cake like that, that of loans that have been able to really do what we're trying to do in the space. So I just want to bring that up because it's like, you know, it's a blessing and a curse when you're in an industry that takes a while to get ingrained into and, and to build up a sizable portfolio in because the same thing that made it hard for you to get to where you wanted to go is the same thing that will give you staying power in the years to come. As so long as you continue to do the right things, continue to lay infrastructure and reinvest in your team and your your borrowers and or your customers or clients, I should really say. So I just want to bring that point up because I think that's something that we hit on literally in the parking lot last night,
0: walking out of the office at like
1: 9 PM. So
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's yeah. just something to remember.
0: Yeah, it's a very, it's a really interesting thought experiment to take a step back and say, well, what is the moat in this industry? And while there may be a couple of things or some things that kind of roll up into one, one larger moat, a lot of it is genuinely the struggles that you're going through right now to grow your business. It's like, that is the moat that's keeping a lot of other competitors out of your market. And, and that's, yeah, it's really interesting. And and at the end of the day, I'd rather grow a little bit more slowly by doing all the right things and doing well by our borrowers and setting them up for success and making sure I'm not writing a loan that's going to put somebody in a bad position just to try to win the business. And that's what we're doing. And and I'm excited for it. So again, the there's a point. lot of... Yeah, I go gotta for it. More, yeah.
1: I got to make one more point here because yeah. it just came to me. I'm a big fan of, of big finance. Like I think you and I both know that. And I think about, okay, like big insurance. I like big insurance. I like like the financial management space, just like the JP Morgan chases of the world, you know, those, those JP Morgan's of the world, really the Rockefellers of the world. I like, I like the lessons therein of the models they built. And like, when you look at what they've done is they've operated in a space where they've operated in a space where judgment is what keeps you in business or what gets you killed. And you have to toe a fine line of, you know, we're, Lending competitively enough to win business, and they're they're emphasizing their, their service obviously to make up for a premium at times, which is what we're doing. And in addition to that, you know they they are underwriting and doing business conservatively enough to where they don't get killed off. So when you look at the largest finance, financial institutions of the world, they all have one thing in common: they've been around forever. They've been sitting with money for a very 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 long period of time and that's exactly what this business is all about if you look at the biggest or best, l- best lenders in the space like they typically have one thing in common they've been around for a while and the people who are growing very quickly there's a reason for that and it usually means they're taking on more risk and i know it co- comes back to the same point we mentioned before but this is another example of like you know the the game that we play and how it how it can grow over a long period of time if you just do it the right way. And JP Morgan Chase, right? Like I mean they they got big pretty quick relatively speaking, but they've also been playing the game for over 100 years. So just need to uh need to need to put the timeline in perspective sometimes about, you know, we're playing we're thinking in decades and not days or or weeks or months.
0: Yeah, I don't know where I saw this, but I saw it the other day on Twitter. The best investing strategy is to just invest and live to be a hundred, right? Like that's the best competitive advantage is if you can just live to be a hundred years old, like the Warrens and the Charlies and and you know it's what we're doing, and the reason why we think this is relatively valuable or or, or could potentially be valuable for people to kind of peel back the curtain and talk about building a business, is, like I've mentioned in the past, it's exactly what all of our clients are doing, right? They're slowly building or quickly building. I mean, they're just building a business, and it's got to start with the first deal. And I'm sure that, and I know this for a fact, because I talked to my, you know, our clients about it relatively often, you know, they run into challenges, just like any other small business, they run into financing issues, they run into labor issues, they run into bookkeeping, like they run into finding deal issues, like there's, there's no shortage of it. And over the long term, you know, the, the, the clients who we have who are the most well established are the people who have been around the longest. And one thing that just to your point, Grant, you know, that, that we are very much aware of is the fact that we lived through 2008, 2009, but we were not investing nor were we in business around that time. And so it's 2024 right now and nobody has any idea what's going to happen in the market in 2024 or 2025 or 2026 or sometime in the future while we are in business and we're writing loans and the real estate market changes whenever that happens. And we don't want to be wiped out by one turn in the market, right? That's just... I mean, that sounds very, very obvious, but maybe it's a little bit more simple on paper than it is in practice. And every single day we're writing loans and we're saying yes or no to deals, we're keeping that in the back of our head. Like, okay, well, what if the market changes by 20% this year? I mean, are we going to survive that? Like worst case scenario, would we survive this? And would most of our loans, would we still be in a decent position where we could continue operating and serving our clients and And allowing people to take advantage of the opportunities that come when a market changes like that, et cetera. So it doesn't take much, right? You never know what's on the horizon. You gotta be you gotta be playing the game with that mindset of okay, are the decisions I'm making right now in twenty twenty four the same ones that are going to allow me to be in business in twenty fifty four and twenty seventy four, et cetera? You know. And I think we're I, I think we're doing that, right? There's no way to know for sure until that's tested, but I think we're doing that. Totally agree. Totally agree with all that. Awesome well don't want to ramble anymore i think once again could talk about this stuff forever but i think that's pretty much all we have for today so if you guys did enjoy this if you found this conversation helpful insightful if you have questions feel free to reach out please share this with a friend leave a review give us feedback and make sure to check us out at sharpercapitalpartners.com we'll leave all of our contact info in the description below appreciate you all and we'll see you in the next one